This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the county result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Scarf Begara War. Proudly sponsored by the Players Entrance, at Covent Garden Cafe and the Royal Oak Edgerly. Great flick up by Alan Armstrong. Hello, Nick Lee here. Welcome to the Scarf Begara War. Well, the world may continue to go to hell in a handcart, but it's business as usual in SK3 as County finally show signs of absolutely pissing this Tim Pot League. Original lineups back tonight as I'm joined by Russ Johnson and Dave Espley. Good to be back, lads, albeit remotely. We are right. Absolutely fine, thank you. Absolutely fabulous. I was going to top absolutely fine there, Dave. But yeah, absolutely fabulous. Absolutely fine. Absolutely fine is almost a bit of an anticlimax. It's like, I'm absolutely fine. It'll do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bit more satisfactory. <laughs> so, joined to cover all things County tonight, we're joined by a man who needs no introduction to County fans. It's the founder of Engage Life and long-time friend of the podcast. It's David Schofield. You right, Dave? Yeah. Yes, I am, you skull. Oh, this this is the attitude I wanted to get in early on. Excellent, excellent. Oh, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like pistols at the free trade hall tonight. Right, Russ, shake what the good people of Brinnington gave you and give me some county news. Well, I'd I'd like to start actually not with county news, but we've we've a bit on Dave Schofield because I I think we say friend of the podcast. David, David Schofield. Sorry, David, David, David Schofield. Sorry. I, I, I want. Can we not upgrade him? Achievement unlocked, and co- and call him close friend of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, if you want. Yeah, I think I think I think he's earned it. Uh, he? Hold on a second. I think we need a little history lesson here. First of all, county county podcast was given to you by who? Yeah, David Schofield. <laughs> David Schofield. <laughs> and, and the first county podcast was recorded by who? Uh, David Schofield. Yeah, okay, yeah. so so I think what you need to start calling me is founding member. Ah, uh, <laughs> he's not he's not bothered about it though. No, I mean you know as you know, very easy going. <laughs> you give him an inch and he takes a yard, bloody hell. <laughs> right, so back to friend of the podcast, <laughs> David Schofield. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in terms of county news, I mean, let, let, I you know, where to begin? Um, we are top of the league, I think, is the best place to begin. Yeah. And when we when we all sat together last time, I think we said, 
seven points out of the first nine, I would, and you know, we'd be, we'd be sort of punching the air. Going, like, yes, can, can I just we've made a good start. There, you, you, you say when we sat to, when we were sat together last time, that implies that we're sat together this time. Just in case you're thinking of grassing us up, we're not. <laughs> no, we're remotely, we're no. remotely doing this. No, exactly. Carry on. I've even got a face mask on in here, so just just to be sure. <laughs> all you're no Ian Brown, are you? <laughs> well, no, we said, didn't we? We said, I think I think it was I think it was Dave Espley that said if we get seven points out of, out of nine, you know that would be a really good start. Okay, we got beat by Torquay on the first day, but twelve out of fifteen. Yeah, and we should have won that Torquay game. Anybody who saw it, we should have won that. Yeah, we should have won that Torquay game, and they're the team that are now on level points with us. Mm-hmm. That's you know I I don't think well we could have asked for a better start, couldn't we? But. You know, it's a really, really great start, isn't it? It's, it's not, I think it's not just the results, though, is it? It's the way we've been playing. It's, 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 we've, we've been absolutely head and shoulders above every team I've seen. It reminds me of uh, before, just before Jim came back. It might, might even have been his first season back. But we, play, we played filed at home around Easter time. And we got battered. I think it was either 4-0 or 4-1 at home. And I remember just looking at them thinking, yeah, they, they look like a full-time team then. Yeah, and then five years on, it's us that look like my mate was my mate who was a Bradford fan. He was watching it with me on Saturday night, and he said, "I can't believe you're a non non league side here. They just just look football league all the way through." Yeah, it's it's, it's both the full time thing, isn't it, and the quality of players that we've signed as well, and also the, the quality of managers, as we all know, it goes without saying. But it's it's almost like, and I know we've used this analogy before about us being the sort of city of non league because we've had a big influ- influx of money. Um, it's becoming more accurate an analogy as time goes on because uh, I don't want to tempt fate, but we are looking head and shoulders above everyone we've played before. And I'd include Torquay in that as well because we should have won that game. So, you know, let's hope it works out this way. I I can see us, uh, I don't want to, I almost don't want to say it, but I can see us running away with it. Yeah, I can. There's a professionalism off the field. That, that is uh, supporting. I mean, obviously, you've got this, this, this serious money's been put in, and, and that always makes a big difference. But there's a professionalism off the field, and it's running throughout the club. And and for someone like Jim Gannon, who, uh, you know, he, he's, we, we've often talked about Jim as being, uh, I'm about to call him James now, I'm David, aren't I? So we've been, so we've been talking. <laughs> J, James Gannon is, uh, he's always, he's a very professional guy in the way that he goes about his business and he's able to do that often in a very unprofessional environment mm-hmm. and and it was it was okay for him I think because he could basically do what he wanted because nobody else had any say it was just like well Jim knows best let him get on with it I think that suited him and my fear was that um, it would come a you know a, a director of football it would come this and Jim wouldn't, wouldn't like it but I get a sense from, from everything from his interviews, from his Twitter activity, which I genuinely didn't think was him. I thought it was somebody having a laugh because of how relaxed and how engaging it is. You can see he's actually enjoying himself and it's, yeah. great, it's great to see. So we're all happy. Uh, everyone's, uh, it's, it's getting a bit disconcerting because people are just <laughs> happy wherever you turn. I'm, I'm kind of glad we've not got crowds in because it'd make me sick seeing everyone's happy faces every week. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking today, actually, because... Um, I was, funnily enough, I was reading Viz, as you do, and uh, I was aware from his Twitter activity that uh, Rick, who appeared on the podcast with us um, the day the day that Scott took over. Yes. Um, yep, yep. He's in this month's Viz with a, with a top tip. Uh, let's do a slight diversion. I'll read you. Oh, excellent. Let's, let's hear this, yeah. Because uh, 
And then I've got my viz. Yeah, here we go. Fool mechanics into thinking they actually work on the repair shop by crying after they've got your car through its MOT. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> Manchester. So that, that's that. That's why I was thinking about it. But then I remember the podcast we were on and the excitement that we had um, because the news had come through literally about, was it during the podcast or about? About half an hour before, yeah. Yeah, and we were saying then um, of all the stuff that we were thinking might happen now and getting giddy. And then at, at one point we were saying, well, actually, let's, let's dial this back a bit because we are getting giddy. Um, it might take a while. It won't be this instant. And to be honest, it's it's now working out on the face of it for the first few games that we weren't giddy enough, almost. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. Let, let's let's get, hope it doesn't all go tits up. But at the moment, it couldn't be any better. Like you said uh, earlier on, Ross, you, you could hope that we'd have beaten Torquay and we deserve to beat Torquay. Other than that, it's been a perfect start. Yeah, and I. I often think back to around about the time we started this podcast, really. And I know I know I harp on about it, but it's, it really means a lot to me that we started this podcast in January 2015. And <coughs> I can't remember. Did, did, <laughs> did you have the uh, Twitter account ready on the day? Well, <laughs> so can I just say, we okay, we started the modern version of this podcast <laughs> in, January, in January 2015. And, and, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember. I know it was in National North, obviously. I don't know who was in the team at that time, but that's that sort of that says a lot, doesn't it? That I can't remember who was in the team at that time. You know, who, uh, I don't know who the manager was. I have no idea actually. But it, you know, so the, how far we've come mm. in in those five years. I know it's only been since t- for ten months, and we'd be up shit creek probably, wouldn't we? If uh, if we hadn't got taken over, but all the players now they look. They just look like football league players. We, we we know the names of them. You know they're identifiable. You can tell that they're all um, they're all there. You know, you know they're for the cause, aren't they? You know, the the, the well behind Jim Gannon. It's it's just so so exciting. I can't I can't be more excited. Yeah, about and they say some of them have even got a full set of teeth. <laughs> a full set and then some. Blimey, it's like looking into the heart of the sun when he smiles. Isn't it? <laughs> 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 the game we were watching last last game, who would that have been? The, um, Chesterfield. Ch- Chesterfield. Um, he sort of went down and then the camera zoomed in on him and because uh, it was BT Sport, we had the, 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 the close-ups and the zooms and he sort of looked up at one of his teammates and smiled and Jesus, it was like, like I say, it was as though a supernova had just exploded <laughs> on the TV screen. They had some teeth. He, sm- he smiled and Bobby Firmino ran out. <laughs> <laughs> So on the Chesterfield game, then, because I, I I think we just looked so much better than them. Just in, in just as soon as we had possession, we just we just looked a class above. Um, yeah, considering we should have they should have been down to ten men as well, and we should have had a penalty. So I think that that, that penalty gets given and the red card gets given. You're talking two or three nil by half time. It's a totally different game. I was going to say, did, did, you, you, obviously you noticed, but at at one all, I think it was he took. Um, did he take Jamie Stott off and put? Read on, or he put read on for a defender, didn't yes. he? Yeah, and 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 that says to me, away, don't forget, away from home against Chesterfield. Now Chesterfield are well pre pre season probably one of the one of the bigger clubs, one of the favourites to go up, perhaps. Yeah, away from home, you take a defender off and put a striker on to go and get the three points. Yeah. They remarked on That's that in the that... commentary as well, if you remember, that they were saying, "Oh, this is a, this is a sign of intent," because it was about fifteen minutes left or twelve minutes left or something. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, and it and it worked perfectly again. You know, it's not just the sign of intent; it's the carrying it through and making it work, and and it clearly did. I mean, that, that's something that 
when we do lose, that's something that the bedwetters tend to cling on to as an excuse. Oh, we, we should have brought an attacker on for the defender. So so it's looking good for the uh, bedwetters feature that they've had, they've had another source of ammunition taken off them. Yeah, but it can, it can backfire, can't it? If you, if you take a oh, defender yeah. and, go f- and go four at the back and stick one, one further up top, but with Bennett up top, things are sticking, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. It's the nature so, of the game as well, the way the game was going. I mean, I hesitate, hesitate to refer back to the City analogy, but we were dominating them in the way that City, you know, when, when Guardiola first came and they had that season where they were putting six and seven pass teams, you know, 80% possession. I don't know what the stats were for us against Chesterfield, but I get the impression we had absolutely dominated possession. Mm. So making that kind of substitution is different in those circumstances than it is when you're, you're chasing the game because you need a win, but you haven't really been playing well and it's 1-0. We we yeah, were playing yeah. it was one all and we'd absolutely been robbed of a penalty should have been three or four one up so in those circumstances bringing on an attacker for a defender makes a lot of sense really and it worked you know QED can it start you know and um, we're going to talk about you know the engaged live stuff later on uh, but I, I, I had a uh, meeting with Richard Simkin who's our director of operations know that that title mm. and you know it's clear talking to him that there is an absolute expectation that we are going to win the league. Not not, not, not in uh, an arrogant, cocky way, just that the, the, the belief is that the, the, the management team, the structure that's been put in the club, the players that have been assembled, that there is, a, that is everybody is, is, the only thought is we're going to win the league. So, so that substitute of removing a defender and putting a tackle on, that's, that's not... Um, that's not out of character or you know something that ooh, that's something we can look for. I think that's going to be at every single game. We are going to try and win every single game that we play, and it's absolutely mm. lovely to see. Yeah, and I think as well, just just to add on, I've, I've mentioned this before at various points, and people are probably bored with me me saying it, but this thing I've got about how if you win a league by a, a cancer, you really should be looking to do the same again at least the next season. So almost we should be looking at season 21-22 and how we're going to finish in League 2. Yeah. Because if we do absolutely boss this league and go with, with you know, when the, everyone else needs snookers, um, we're going to be at the top of the following league next, the following season. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, they might as well just put us straight into League 1. I mean, it's only fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> Well, let's let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. In the <laughs> like, like, like the clubs around us, the big clubs around us. But look, look. Let's remember that. Let's remember what we said today, like we did in January when we all got excited. And let's just keep on um, applying those milestones every 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 few months, saying, "Well, it has happened." So let's yeah. let's do another bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I say I say bollocks to that. Let's like let's 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 Billy Big bollocks it all the way through the league. That's what I say. <laughs> I, I'm with Russ. I think we should we should re- revisit it every couple of months and just comment on how well we've been doing if it happens. But can we record all those in the next couple of days? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so confident that we're going to win the league. I've stopped wearing jeans in the house. I'm, I'm strictly trackies and pajamas now in the house. I'm, that's how confident I am. Did I see you in the news the other day about a Zoom call? There's something about a Zoom. Oh no, it was an American guy. No, no, that was me. That was me. <laughs> yeah, it got really, really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the other thing I wanted to bring up was um, sort of how interchangeable some of the players are in terms of position. So Sam Minion has played in a in the back, the right hand side of a back three, but also in the wing-back position. Now, I don't think 
I, I might be wrong, but I'm not sure I've ever known Sam Minion to play centre centre. No, that was a new one, that yeah. But, but, yeah, but even when he played there, the amount of times he was in the you know in the in the um, the right wing back position charging up, it was almost like Sheffield United. Yes, yeah, that's what I said at the time. Yeah, yeah, over, overlapping centre back thing. And that's been the most pleasing pleasing element of our form for me is the fact that front and centre we've got players like Thomas Minion. Palmer and Hinchliffe, who've been on the journey for oh, half a decade now, yeah, and they're just showing yeah. showing no signs of outgrowing them at all. They just keep improving with us. It, it, it is lovely, but I think if Jim Gannon hears you refer to it as an overlapping rather than underlapping mm. uh, centre half, I think you're going to have some serious problems, boys. Well, no, Sam Minion. I'm sure he did overlap at oh, some point. Uh, he's not <laughs> fast, and he's you know he can get round. Yes, it's an under, so. it's an underlap. Right. Well, what happened to four four two? Eh. Yeah, exactly. If, if, he yes. go, if, he, if he goes around the outside of his of his wing back, it's an overlap, isn't it? Oh, you've been watching it on television. I've just been. Dave yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still remembers two, three, five. <laughs> do you mean do you mean David? Uh, do you mean David? David, sorry. Well, I meant me. I remember two, three, five. Very first formation I was ever shown by my dad was two full backs. Then you've got your centre half. Half backs. Your wing backs. Yeah, and then you've got your left wing, your right winger, your inside left, your inside right, and your centre forward. It's yeah. a simple game football. <laughs> <laughs> but even up to about a year and a half ago, we had we had fans like moaning at gym for playing like four two three one or four three three. So no, the, the non league footballers they, they can only handle four four two. Which uh, I, I mean, I might have been one of those bedwetters <laughs> because, but, but it was it wasn't about. It was more to do with the lack of contact time. With, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Set-up. I can see it from you know, that point of view, yeah. Yeah. If, you, if you've got only got a part-time setup, you've got a, a coach who's a manager who's got, you know, that level of coaching ability, but he's only getting to talk to him for a couple of hours a week, if that, then, you know, how do you really work on those ideas for what are limited footballers? And I mean that because they're playing, you know, the non-league footballers. So, so yeah, I think keeping it simple is often the right way in the in the lower reaches. But we've not we've not got lower reaches players now. What we've done is, and it's very reminiscent of Dave Jones in ninety six, ninety seven. They've gone and bought players that are just too good for this league. Yeah, they've gone and mm-hmm. got players that understand what it takes to get out of this league, to get out of the league league above, and and who are full time professionals. And they've got a bit of intelligence, a bit of experience, and they can be adaptable. And, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, when we've got Tom Bennett, when we've got Chris Marsden, those players were far, far, far too good for the level we were playing at. So, you know, guess what? We were we were absolutely brilliant. When I watched when I watched Rooney at the moment playing for us, I just think he's he's, he's absolutely ridiculous that he's playing in this league. He's way too good. Excellent, he's not gonna be in it for too long because we're gonna get out of it as champions. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Anything else from the matches then to, to pick up on? I mean, Mark Kitchen has been an outstanding performer yes. for me. Yeah, yeah, I think the wing-backs are going to get a lot of joy in this system we seem to be playing now because he's been absolute quality the games he's played. Um, yes. Did notice Chesterfield had uh, Tom Denton up front as well, or very nearly of this parish at one point. Um, yeah. And it, it just uh, I almost forgot just, just how much it does... Just focus your game when you do have a player like that because they were just lumping it at every opportunity. I know we had one disallowed that was apparently a bit unlucky, 
But it was just, it's it's just prehistoric. He's just putting himself about a bit. And it's not. I, th- I I can't see them going down this season, Chesterfield. But I don't I don't think they'll be troubling the top half. And the, the manager no, seems, got beat by Wildstone the other day. Well, yeah, the manager seems to be in denial as well. Like coming out after our game and saying they were unlucky. That's absolute bollocks. Yeah, managers do have to say certain things because you know they, they have to keep the fans happy, keep the board happy, but. It shouldn't extend to complete and utter bullshit. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just a bare-faced lie. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I think, I think when a manager is saying that luck is the reason that they lost, then that's that's their that's their last sort of excuse. I think. Yeah, mm. the last um, refuge of a scout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, Mark, I mean, Mark Kitchen's been great. I mean, we we could name lots of them, really. You know, Adam Thomas's goal against Halifax. Absolute. Absolute. Yeah. That was an absolute. Thunderbolt on it. Um, Rooney's been great, absolutely fantastic. Um, Bennett, you know, not only think he's scored one goal, but um, the amount of work he gets through is is just unbelievable, and it's it's just so refreshing to see compared to what we've had, you know, from 2011 onwards. Yeah, up until the last two years or so. Another good thing about this season, particularly. I mean, I know it's the world's gone to shit at the moment, but. It, it's great to be able to see every game as well. Um, oh, you know, whoa, whoa. <laughs> in terms of being able to see a stream of every game, I know it's not as good as being there in person, but I know I, I was, when it, when it was first announced that the games would be streamed, I was thinking, well, I might I might have every other one or I might have a couple of months or something like that. I've, I've had every one and I'm probably going to continue to have every one. Um, me and my son take it between us. It's his, his round or my round and we just uh, pay for the stream. And I just think it's amazing. But if you'd like to interject there, Mr. Schofield, feel free. Well, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I've been fulsome of praise of, of everything that's gone on and it's entirely deserved both on and off the pitch and all the rest of it. But I still don't think we should be playing at all in front of empty stadiums. And I know that's brought everybody down and understand that. But there is, I was listening to the, the music on the radio in the car as they often do. And if you tolerate this, your children will be next came on. And I thought, I might be getting carried away here, but you know what? You get 95 grand a season off the National League for not having uh, not having any fans in. The streaming revenues, turns out that's quite good. Oops, we don't need lots of staff, you know, to manage the game. And you start thinking, hold on a minute, let's just not get too comfortable in all this because there are, I don't mean it, I don't mean Stockport County, but there are people involved at the game at the highest level who do not give a shit about fans at mm. all. And, and it's all about it's all about the, 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 the TV revenue, the merchandising, the advertising. That's that's what they see as. And the game belongs um, to us, not to them. So, take, let's, let's, so, let's not, so let's not hand it on a plate, that's what I'm saying. I think you, you'll, be, you'll probably be old enough, like me, Dave, to remember Bob Lord at Burnley. I do. And, um, I always remember the, the, the quote that he came out with, um, which was, the ideal would be to earn enough money from outside sources that you wouldn't need the fans through the gate. And yeah. what he was saying was that fan gate money would therefore be a bonus. Um, yeah. But it was a dangerous a dangerous statement to make because it did yeah. sum, sum up that kind of mindset. However, I, I would just counter what you said, even though I agree with you in that it should be something we need to be wary of. I would counter by saying what's been shown um, over the last few months is how shit football is without fans. Yeah, I know not to, the, not, yeah. not to the money, man, and I totally take your point, but I can't believe there's anybody with an ounce of football 
spirit in their soul or, or whatever that doesn't want fans back when they've seen how shit it is without fans. Yeah, but, I, but I would, what I would say about that is, and I, I agree with you, but, the, but the, you're, you're letting romance get involved there. Because when you actually get involved in the running of a football club, all that romance disappears. It's just a fucking horrible business. And so if it's a fucking horrible business, that all of a sudden becomes less complex because you've not got these awkward people called fans that you've got to look after in the end. And the revenue's coming in anyway. Trust me, there's lots of people in the game who think, oh, I quite like it as it is right now, to be honest. So we've just got to be careful and say we don't hang it on a plate. I know it's only a temporary situation, but let's not let's not let's not get too wrapped up in this is good because this is terrible yeah. not being able to go to the football. It just mm. so ha- it just so happens that they're making the best of a bad situation. Here's a question related to that then, and I, I do take all your points. Um on board if when we when we get back to normal and i don't mean like 2000 at county sat six feet apart i mean proper normal yeah i.e anyone can come do you think streaming should carry no, on not for me uh, i think it's going to and that's yeah. that's that's almost that's almost what i'm getting at you with me if, if, if they don't have to have so many stewards if they don't have to do this is that you know if parking isn't all of a sudden uh, a bigger headache if you've not got the uh, sort of the disruption to the local, because believe me, the, the neighbours are constantly on it at a football club. And you know, if the revenue comes in, I think there's plenty of people would think, yeah, that's kind of streaming it. And, and those who want to come to the game will come to the game, and those who don't will will just get a stream on. But that's my point because I think we talked about this in the last podcast. I seem to remember us talking about it and saying mm-hmm. how yeah, we did talking about the setting the price of streaming, and I was saying. That going to a match is such a different experience anyway. Um, that you know, people who want to go to matches won't see streaming as an alternative. It's a completely different experience, and I, I think there might almost be two constituencies of people: um, match going, attending people, people who don't watch a stream. I'm not. I'm not sure. To mix my metaphors, I'm not sure that Venn diagram has much of an overlap. Yeah, um, but, but, but the but the the, the, uh, in the economy over the next year because of the effects of COVID. Um, means that people who, who are desperate to go back to the to the, to the matches won't, won't be able to for two different reasons. One, because because there's no there's no they go into the games because they're not allowed. Or two, because the finances dictate that they wouldn't be able to go anyway. So um, and as and as we know, the more sophisticated the streams become, the more pinchable they are off the internet. And um, you know, once once the um, the room of six or whatever bullshit Boris has come up with today. And um, once that's out of the way, you know that they'll, they'll pay 15 quid for a stream and have 20 of you sat in a living room all having a beer and having a bevy and having a right good crack. So, or, 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 in, or in the pub, even, of course. What about the pub? True, I mean, but what, what, I'm, what I'm getting at, I suppose, is none of us would be in that group, would we? I've been um, there. I, I, I have been there. And I, and I just, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it until just, just then. Um, would you there, would you was, choose to watch County on telly on there, a stream there was rather a, than go? There was a, a season when I just refused to go. I just refused to go anymore. Okay. Right, yeah. So what so, I should have said was all else being equal, because obviously there's yeah. reasons for not doing it, and there can be protests, there can be illness, there can be finances, as you rightly said a minute ago. Yeah, but what, what, what I was going to say, been... Dave, what I was going to say, though, um, was I actually... Um, was part of a constituency of really, really, really committed, well-known county fans who would drive or get the train or whatever, bus, 
down to Edgeley, have a few pints before the game. Those people who are going to the game would go to the game. We'd stay in the pub and listen to the radio and have a few beverages because we're not giving them cunts any money because that's where yeah. that's where we end at the time. And then everyone would pile back after the game and carry on as if that was normal. And and at first it was it was a bit of a protest and it was a bit of a you know probably me being an arsehole if I'm being honest, but but it was a bit of a it was a kind of it was a a, a protest vibe. But it very quickly became well, it's just normal. That's what we do now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I suppose what I'm where I'm coming from is from the optimistic position, and, and it might be just hopelessly optimistic. I, I, I freely admit, but I'm I'm wondering whether there could be a situation in future where there's a, there's a bump in attendances. And I take your point about potentially the economy tanks; there won't be the, the spare cash. But when football is able to be viewed in person again, I'm hoping there's going to be a massive boost because people are so desperate yeah. for it. I think, but at the same but at the same time, there's then an allowance for people who can't get there because they 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 they've not got mobility. Um, they live on the other side of the world. I mean, yeah. my, my brother brother currently lives in Moscow and he loves the streams. Yeah, so yeah. what what I'm getting at is if, if attendances don't fall significantly, or if the small fall is more than compensated for by the the, the, the streams from those kind of people I'm talking about, you could potentially have decent attendances in the, in the grounds and revenue up overall. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you could be absolutely right. Um, and, you know, if we make it easy for people to watch on the computers or on the tellies, we might end up with 2,500 at County, which would be dreadful. So, yeah, yeah it's time well, will tell. But you, just... You've only got to look at, um, you know, it talks about Manchester City before as being, you know, like they, they were dominating and blowing. Yeah, they were. And there was 10,000 empty seats. And, and those seats have been sold, by the way. It wasn't that they couldn't sell them. They sold, they sold out every week. But people just couldn't be asked going because they were watching it. They've got the big games, but um, they would they would just watch it in the football or at home. And Arsenal have had that for the last five, six, seven years. You know, 60,000 capacity, 45,000 people in the ground, and they've sold every ticket. So, you know, it, it the, the, the constituency that we're talking about of people who would choose not to... Not to go to the game and watch it on telly. I think it's larger than you than than you reckon, and mm-hmm. it's only going to get bigger in this in the current circumstances. I, I think with the, I think County are doing quite well out of streaming just because of the sheer numbers we've got in our fan base. But then, you, if you look yeah. at some of the, particularly the smaller London-based clubs in this league, and a lot a lot of them people only go and watch them when Arsenal aren't playing. So, it, so yeah, if you give those fans a choice between watching Arsenal on telly or watching, say, Wealdstone on telly, then they're going to choose Arsenal all the way. So I think there'll be a, there'll be a lot of clubs for whom the streaming won't won't do anything for them. They're going to need people coming through the gates. Interestingly, when you talked talk, we talked before about the, the bailout package, and it's the most money it seems to be going to clubs who've got big crowds, and Dulwich Hamlet are in there amongst the football league clubs. Have they got a big non-league following that I didn't know about? Isn't it a combination of uh, large attendances plus which league you're in? So there are some national league teams with shit attendances who are getting quite right. a lot, getting quite a lot more than national league north teams, for example. That'd make that'd make sense. Yeah, I know. I know it's Dulwich Hamlet in there amongst the likes of us in Notts County, which I, th- I thought was a weird. Yeah, one. and Boreham Wood getting a lot as well, but it's because they're in the national league. Is it Boreham Wood? Uh, yeah. Yes, 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 it is. And and also the the government minister. Who's in charge of all this caper? He's from Boreham Wood as well. I found out today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like the Tories to look after their own, is it? Is it Mr. Jenrick? That's, that's the fellow. <laughs> that's, that, 
That's the twat. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But Mr. Generic didn't have anything to do with it. It was oh, his no, friend sure. who. It was his friend who got the money for Paul and Wood, and he got the money for his friend's team. That's how it works. Of course, of course. <laughs> did, you, did, did, did you see? Did you see that interview when he said, "Well, no, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't give the money for that. That was uh, that was my decision to make." And they said, well, "Well, who did then for your, you know, your constituency?" And uh, I think it was on the Andrew Marsh show. And he said, "Well, it was uh, such and such a body." And he said, and, um, "And and who gave the money to his?" And he said, "Well, I did." Fucking get over it, boys! This is how it works. As a Tory, whenever I'm down in London and I find myself short of quail's eggs, I head down to Covent Garden to replenish my stock. I never want eggs in Stockport. I head to at Covent Garden. 94 Lower Hillgate, in the heart of Stockport Old Town. Come and visit at Covent Garden for quality breakfast and lunch, fantastic coffee, cakes, light snacks, and above all, a friendly place with great service. Open match days. Okay, so moving on to some of the other games then. Did any, has anything else stuck out for you for any of the games? So oh, obviously, we, we, we shit on and we'll have it won by Christmas. That's what, that's what stuck out for me. <laughs> is, that, is, is that what we're taking he, away he, from He you? says in his Buzz Lightyear pyjamas. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the way we've won a couple of times has been has been quite impressive because obviously we talked about Chesterfield and the substitution and the late goals, Wheelston as well. You know, we uh, have I yeah. pronounced that right? Is it Wheelstone or Wheelstone? Wheelstone, Wheel Wheelstone, isn't it? The Nazis get it wrong. They're, they're, they're 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 I think you find it. I think you find it's Wheelstone. <laughs> but uh, what, what was this, this, was it? So we were two on down with about I can't remember the, the, the fifteen minutes I think to go. Yeah. Well then, yeah, and um, we got the three late goals. I mean, some people you could argue that flattered us because they were late goals. It clearly didn't because we were good value for for that win. But I think in terms of not letting your heads drop, uh, being able to come back from deficits, because um, we went down to Halifax as well, didn't we? We were one nil down at home yeah. for, to them, yeah, and came yeah. back. Yeah. So there's been a, a couple of games where we've been up against it, um, and coming on the back of the, the absolute pisser of conceding the late winner at Torquay. Um, it speaks a lot to character, really. Um, there was, there was no, no panic whatsoever. I've, yeah. not, I've not seen any panic in the team at all. It's confidence in your own abilities as well, it is, isn't it? it is. and, you know, knowing that, well, you know, we've let one in, but we are, we are bossing this game. We're good enough. It's, it's another sign for me of just how much we've improved as well, because I think I said it on the, the little weekly review podcast available now on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I, I said on there that this time last year, we were having to rally round late on to scrape a draw, whereas this season we're rallying round for the last half hour off the second half, and we're we're picking up wins. So there's that there's that obvious improvement there, and that's that's even before we've properly got going and properly gelled. So you'd expect once we do yeah. properly get going, you'd expect us to be putting. I know it sounds Billy really big bollocks, but putting four, five, and six past teams, just like when we did last when we won the, won the National League North. We were sticking four, five, yeah. and six past teams. It was we were never, ever, ever in the National League North. What's the National League North? That was that. That was like eight years where they suspended football, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was COVID, wasn't it? Some disease yeah. they all got. I got a plague. But, but don't 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 forget, we've got Williams and Crowsdale to come in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah, and, you, it's and you've still got people on social media on the board saying, "Oh well, we need a goal scorer." Do we? <laughs> <laughs> well, is it is that a good time to do bedwetters? And yes, bedwetters. I think so. Uh, bedwetters and I'll, listener letters. Well, I think I'd better play the jingle. Do jingle.
Oh, do you want the deep end or the shallow end? It's the bedwetter review. So we've had a, we've had a letter in from a, from a listener, and I'll I'll read it verbatim. Dear the Scarf Bagara War, as a devoted listener to the podcast, I revel in your highbrow county conversation. In fact, I can often be seen sitting with a glass of Dom Perignon Vintage 2008, streaming all county matches on the YouTubes with the TSBW podcast in the background at an audio level high enough to cause permanent ear damage. This is acceptable as I live alone. So imagine my shock when your latest offering, I I had to endure the blasé, unnecessary and quite reckless use of verbal obscenities. I find it quite uncomfortable to hear such intelligent gentlemen using such superfluous language. It took me right back to my days of sitting in a, to be quite frank, run-down Edgeley pub pre-match, eavesdropping on the working-class conversation. Undoubtedly, before I lost sight of what was actually important in life. I'd be very much indebted to you if you could, in future, yield from such uncouth dialect unnecessarily. Yours sincerely, B.T. Hornley. Fuck it, you get what you pay for. <laughs> Which is zero. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, uh, do, do we know if BT has BT only uh, given us any kind of indications to their, to their gender or sex? No. Gender or sex? That's, uh, that's woke if you don't. That's very important. Oh, Dave's been woke, or as long as people call it accurate. Right, so, um, yeah. yeah, because because he does, because I'm going to assume it's a he, because I've, I've, never, met, I've never yet met a woman. As, as much of a twat as the first that. <laughs> All you've got to do is just go, it's adults, it's on the fucking internet, they're swearing, and get the fuck over it, you fucking bet-wedding twat. <laughs> Brackets, adult content. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do. We, I do tag every episode as explicit. So there's going to be some. There's going to be some swearing, isn't there? You know, there's going to be some. Swearing. Oh, my twelve-year-old son listens. Oh well, he shouldn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> used to get that with the fanzine from the off. Cause I think I mentioned this when we did the fanzine podcast. That the first couple, we went really over the top with the swearing, and um, it was mentioned in the program because players were asked about the fanzine, and people had said, um, or the editor had said, uh, "Oh yeah, we all think it's great, but just." Turn the swearing down. Kids read it. <laughs> My reaction was the same as Nick's. They shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 look, grow, the way I grew up. Yeah. My 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 stepdad. He he could put swear words in the middle of words, so he, he'd say Michael shoe fucking macker. You know. <laughs> and, and, uh, so it's just it just I don't know. It's natural to me just to just to put the odd swear word in. I don't I don't plan it it just goes in so you know if you don't like it then can i, can I just say as well that i absolutely loathe the phrase bad language um call, call it swearing if you want to but it's not bad language it's absolutely fantastic language used in the right context well, yeah, you, um the example i always use is it's quite a famous one but uh, there's a particular four-letter word which can be used as verb adjective and noun within the same sentence as in the fucking fuck is fucked it's <laughs> not bad language. That is amazing language. It's like when people say, uh, "Yeah, like swearing's bad and what have you." It shows a lack of vocabulary. So, well, no, it shows a good vocabulary, surely, because you know all the swear words as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's Billy Connolly that once it. I know that. Yeah, he goes. He goes. I don't like hearing people say that you shouldn't swear. It shows 
a lack of vocabulary. He goes, I've got to tell you, I know thousands of words. I just, I just prefer the word fuck. <laughs> so, to sum up what we've learned from the last 40 minutes of chat, uh, county good, swearing good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Streaming bad. Streaming yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who, who can get in touch? I mean, the next letter will be us. Someone, someone moaning that we don't talk about stuff that they actually care about. But we've covered all the important issues of the day. There, there was even a bit of politics in there. It was like bloody Arthur Scargill in the room for five minutes. So, is the for this section then? Is there anything else we want to cover? Do you want to cover anything else in around the club? Do you want to cover the cladding? I know someone, someone was jokingly disappointed that the spots came off the cladding. Came off the back of the Why would anyone be disappointed with that? No, someone was. Oh yes, I saw that. Yeah. 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 He did very well, actually. It was a very good joke. It was very good, that. I think it definitively proves for me that you can, in fact, polish a turd. (laughs) (laughs) Just, uh, can I just praise the club on something else that they've done, actually? I know we're praising them a lot, but at the back of the club shop, the Stockport County in the old, yes, the old style. Oh yes, 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 yes. That is fantastic. Whoever, whoever did that needs to go in the Hall of Fame immediately. That was a fantastic <laughs> piece. Let's of... just get Paul Turnbull in first, shall we? And then, and then we'll look at, we'll look at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, what's Paul Turnbull ever done for our games? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is iconic, isn't it? That 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 design and to put it in the back of the wall of the shop like that was was a stroke of genius. It really was design genius. Yeah, I wonder, wonder what else you can do in terms of, of that kind of thing because I know. When you have um, big new grounds in the in the Premier League, for example, you, you have huge murals and you can put enormous photos behind the glass facades and stuff. What kind of stuff would, would could could we do? A cardboard stand cut out in the pop side. <laughs> if, you're, if you're that type of arsehole. <laughs> yeah, that was mentioned the other day. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Tommy Sword in front of those gates holding the plastic sword. Ah, yes. Was that, was that for the Sunderland game? Yeah. Yeah, when he when he scored the penalty at Sunderland in nineteen eighty, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it, it was absolutely brilliant. I can't wait to get down to the shop to see it, it for myself. Maybe, maybe they could have the old uh, they could have Brendan L. Elwood's court documents up. They could, they could like make make a mural out of that. I think. <laughs> <coughs> Do any of you know uh, an artist, a graffiti artist called Kelzo? Yeah, familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah, if you go if you go anywhere around Greater Manchester, yeah. you see like amazing. He's an absolute genius, and uh, I know we're not talking about engaged life yet, but we'll get there eventually. But um, he he works with us, and um, he, he, we are actually working on something which is uh, for Stockport. And I, I've got I've got a, a sense that County could be interested in adopting some of that stuff. So um, wait and see. I would suggest. I think Sounds good. Anything like that? Anything that's just you know shows a bit of artistic flair, a bit of cool, a bit of you know that kind of thing. Like who would have said that putting a, a, a making the back wall of the shop looking like a, a wooden gate from nineteen seventy would be so iconic? But yeah. it's just if you know that kind of thing, if you get it, you get it. And I think Absolutely. as I mentioned before in this, we've we've got a few people amongst our fan base that do get it and how you know that kind of thing. Uh, we can do more. Obviously, we've seen, yeah, we've seen the work that's gone on with the, like, they've revamped the club shop and everything. We've seen the cladding. What I think, what a lot of people have forgotten is there's actually work going on in the Cheedland as well on the concourses and the the conferencing 
tweets and what have you. So I'll be lo- looking forward to seeing what that looks like when it's done. Because it can't certainly can't be anywhere so it was before. Yeah. But they're going to they're do a big reveal, which I like that as well. I mean, in, in, in lots of ways, you're tempted to say, oh, look, we've, we've done this so far, we've done that so far. But that's usually about getting some extra money or support. Yeah. They've got the money. Yeah. So they're just, they're just going to say, right, right, keep the media out of it. Let's do it. Let's have a big reveal. And be all, oh, yeah, that's amazing. And, and again, it, it, it demonstrates to me the kind of long-term thinking. It demonstrates the professionalism. It, you know, not getting overexcited about stuff. It's... It's, it's a breath of fresh air, really. Yeah, there's no, no, uh, no pizzazz or anything. Just get on with it. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, pizzazz for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, should we leave it there? End the first half? Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Question for you both. If you could recreate one sporting moment and be there doing it yourself, what would it be? Russ? Winning put in the 1992 Open Championships to replicate Nick Faldo. Golf, then. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know, not my thing. What about you, Dave? Well, I'm a Tory, as you well know, so I go and watch cricket. Um, and I was there, along with John Billsbury, friend of the podcast, oh, yes. uh, the Tea Party podcast, and we were both there when uh, Ben Stokes hit the winning runs in the Headingley Test on that famous Sunday a couple of months ago, so I would uh, recreate that. Even I watched that. <laughs> I'm going to have to go for a county moment now, then, aren't I? Um, top of my head, Glenn Taylor's header for Spennymore <laughs> against Chortley, all the way. Get it. So why have you asked us that, Ernie? Because it's a little message from our new sponsors, the players' entrance in Merseyway Stockport, where you can go and recreate many sporting moments. And it's run by a county fan. That's, I mean, and it's got Darren Stevenson on the wall. There's a mural of Darren Stevenson on the wall. Doing an overhead kick, I believe. Doing an overhead kick. I'm going to get on for that. I, I don't want him doing that. Was he actually doing an overhead kick like as a model for the picture? I don't know. Or the picture I've seen with him, he's got his broken leg, so, or whatever he's done. Maybe that's how he broke it. Maybe. So he's pulled them out like he's starting up a lawnmower. And lo- long story short, the laundrette won't take it. <laughs> we're, we're back in the room, lads. Oh my god, we're back. We're back. Right. So for so right. So we're all we're all back for the second half. Thanks, thanks if you're still with us. Um, now we're going to talk to uh, David Schofield, a friend of the podcast, founding <laughs> member. <laughs> um, so. Dave's got a new initiative, um, and he's going to tell us all about it, Engage Life. So, Dave, so take us through it. <clears throat> yeah, well, right. Okay, so a little, a little bit of history. Um, as some of you know, I, I kind of did what I did with the football club, got it saved from liquidation, etc., etc. At the time, I was really, really boring, uh, which a lot of people know. And I was on a Class A drug, which was fentanyl, and I was a mess. Anyway, um, long story short, I came off. And I thought, what do I want to do in my life? And I thought about when I was a kid. Uh, I, I grew up in a house where there was love, but there was no money, and we had we had re- we had real 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 problems with with uh, food, with uh, debt collectors turning up. With it was just it was it was a very difficult life. And as a result of that, we, we were evicted from our council house, and I had to, as a fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old. Go stand in front of a judge in the family court and say that I would pay the rent. So I left school early and um, didn't, go, didn't go to college, didn't go to university. I just had to get grafting and pay the rent. Um, sister was like fourteen and the sister even one, and um, it was it was chaotic. And and, and I know that um, you know it, st- it does it still haunts me to to this day. Really, it's still things that happened that. I like triggers. I know it's a bit of a woke word, and brought that out, but it's true. 
it triggers really deep-seated um, anxieties in me uh, that when I think back to, to where I was. So after this uh, county thing I did and after this um, recovering from me from me uh, dependency on fentanyl, I thought, right, what I wanted, if I'd have been properly supported, if I'd have grown up in a, in a middle-class family with uh, aspirations and money and support and food and all the basics that, that I needed, I probably would have gone to college, I probably would have gone to university, I probably would have become a teacher, and I probably by then would have been a head teacher. So I thought, well, why don't I do that? So I, I, went, I volunteered in, in from, from right from reception classes all the way through to um, top of high school. And I, I, I soon found out that little kids do not like me. And if I'm honest, I <laughs> fucking can't stand them. Right? So <laughs> it, it was primary school. Primary, primary school was never going to be for me. But as, as I worked my way up in terms of the, the older the kids got, and the more left field of, of, of youngster I was dealing with, I found that not only was it more rewarding for me, uh, but I, I was making connections with these young kids because they'd had similar backgrounds to me, a lot of them. And, and, I, and I thought, this is great. And somebody said to me, um, you know what you should do, Dave? You, you should work at the Prue. And I genuinely thought they meant the Prudential. I, I genuinely thought he was saying to me, education's not for you. You should go and sell insurance, you fucking <laughs> cunts. Right? And, and I was like, I was like taken aback. And I went, what do you mean? And he said, yeah, proof pupil referral unit. I went, oh. <laughs> right. So I, I, I sort of relaxed me right after and I didn't hit him. And I, and I thought, I didn't know what one was. And he said, look, it's where people have been permanently excluded from school, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you're a natural. You, you just, you know, they're comfortable around you, you're comfortable around them. These kids are hard to reach, but you seem to be able to reach them quite easily and create good relationships, and I think this is for you. So I I, I went and volunteered at one. A guy called Brian, uh, who ran the place in Ashton, said to me, uh, right, you, you, this was my first day, I did about a 45-minute meeting talking about the kids that were coming on the day and the detail that they were going into in terms of what happened in people's lives and potentially what could have taken place. It was, it was amazing how well they knew the kids. Absolutely incredible. And Brian said to me, he said, David, you come and stand on the door with me and we'll welcome him in. And uh, I stood there. The first kid arrived who was brought in a taxi, uh, lived in a care home. The door opened. He spat at me, tried to punch me and told me to fuck off. And I just burst out laughing. And it was, it wasn't, I wasn't, patronising it. it was just a natural reaction and, it, and it, the kid was completely and utterly taken aback by the, by the reaction and he went who the fuck are you and I went my name's David what's your name and he, and he just said I'm Carl and Brian the, the, who was the, the, the sort of manager of the place he went yeah this is for you this is what you need to do he said I've had people leave permanent jobs at this point 25 minutes into their employment, they've just gone, nah, mate, this isn't for me. And I, I just I immediately thought, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. I want to work with these young people and help them. So move it on five years, 10 years, and I'm working with kids who've been excluded permanently from school. I'm working with kids who not only have been excluded, but they've been involved in gang and drug activity. And they're, they're, they're involved in a level of violence 
and a level of antisocial behaviour and theft and robbery and all. It's too dangerous for them to be, even be in the pupil referral unit. And as, so, so this meeting took place where these, these seven lads were to be removed from the pupil referral unit, but you can't exclude them from the pupil referral because there's nowhere for them to go. This is the end of the line. So I said, well, what are we going to do with them? And they were talking about sending into this. This place costs two thousand pounds a week, which we haven't got that. And I said, "Look, give me a minibus, give me some food. I'll go pick them up every morning, so we know where they are. I'll I'll feed them. We'll do something uh, which is either sport or cultural, or just just we'll just get them doing something which is like normal life, get them socialising properly, get them used to being around adults, and instead of thinking of themselves, how everybody else in, in the community seen them, which was problem kids, start seeing themselves as, as successful young adults and start carrying themselves as successful young adults. And they'd be amazed as to the response, how different it was from the rest of society once they recognised a successful young adult rather than a problem child. And over the course of about six to seven months, working with a great guy called Jaden Irving, um, we, we developed something which was, was absolutely amazing um, to the point where we had families absolutely in tears on the doorstep because not only did the kid be going to school as such, working with us every day, they'd started to behave more politely around them. The, the, the tension had come out of home. They weren't getting in as much trouble. In fact, they weren't getting in any trouble. We had uh, community police officers saying to us, this is amazing, they've dropped off the radar. I actually had one guy, one police officer, who said to me, we thought he must be dead. And he wasn't joking, because he was, he was one of the most prolific thieves that Thameside had ever known. And he just dropped off the, radio uh, off the radar, rather, because he was working with us, and he was occupied, and he was enjoying himself, and he was getting involved in things that, that weren't school. And his mum... Uh, Anne, who's a lovely lady, she said, my son is a square peg and education's a round hole. And what you've done is you've not tried to jam him in it. You've just gone, let's get rid of the round holes and get some square holes. And my, my square peg can go in a square hole. And that's what we do. So we try and develop a programme that fits the individual needs. So um, everything's going according to plan. And then I have an accident at work. And um, really, really, really in a bad way, um, to the point where I couldn't work at all. Um, and lockdown came about, and I was feeling really sorry for myself because uh, there was there was talk about me having to retire from teaching through ill health. Um, I felt, I say, I felt really sorry for myself. Got in touch with Jaden, who'd asked me if we could set something up, and I said, "Look, you know that thing you asked me to do. Let's get on and do it." So. We spent six months planning it. We got in touch with a lot of the kids that we've been supporting over the years. And uh, a friend of the show, in fact, is it, I don't know if he's still sponsoring you, but he was sponsoring you, Steve uh, Mottershead from the Players' Entrance, had asked me to help him with, um, with with setting that up. Went down and thought, this is, this would be great, this. This would be a great bit of uh, a respite. It's been a good place for kids to come. So have a bit of fun, but also can see work opportunities here. And uh, we have a look upstairs where there's a huge amount of space, and downstairs in the basement there's a huge amount of space. And I thought, you know what? We could put Engage Life in here. 
And so that's what we've done. And we've got in the upstairs, we've got uh, mixed martial arts, we've got boxing rings, we've got amazing things going on. And down in the basement, we're, we're building a recording studio. And topically, I suppose, with all of this uh, story about food and uh, Angela Rayner and Scum and whatever, yeah, we, we teach kids how to cook, we teach them how to budget, we teach them how to look after themselves. And um, it's, it's going fantastically well. So, um, so you know, getting the best part of a, of a year into the planning and execution and we're up and running. Um, we we realised very quickly that, that schools don't have any money, right? So the schools don't have any money, the local authorities don't have any money. And then COVID comes along and, wow, we, we can't rely on local authorities, we can't rely on, on regional and we can't, certainly can't rely on uh, national government for funding. It doesn't mean to say we won't take as many opportunities to get funding from those areas as possible we will. But what we said is, right, we're going to put one of these things that started in Stockport, we're going to put one of these in every borough of Greater Manchester. So we'll have 10. And those 10 will be operated in each borough under our umbrella with our finances, with our structure, but operated by people you know, if it's in Salford, it needs to be run by people from Salford who know the area, know the kids, know what they need. So it's a great opportunity to create some employment. It's also, obviously, a great opportunity to, to give these kids who are involved, very, very vulnerable kids who are involved in dangerous, dangerous stuff. Drugs, gang activity, child sexual exploitation, a lot going on. And um, and, that, and that's what we want to do. So I thought, right, we can't rely on the, on the funding from the government, so how else can we do it? Well... There's 2.8 million people in Greater Manchester. And I do realise at this moment in time, there's people screaming at their phones, going, there's no such <laughs> place as Greater Manchester! We're in Cheshire! Well, get over yourself, because those kids need feeding, those kids need guidance, those kids need mentorship, they need sport, they need music, they need looking after, and they need the opportunity to become successful young adults. So what we're saying is, those 2.8 million people across across the re the city region, if we all put one pound in each, one way or another, if we all just put a quid in, well, that'll build a centre in every borough. So in every borough of Greater Manchester, we'll have somewhere for young people who are really challenged, really challenging to go. We'll have mentors that are experienced and trained to work there under a safeguard lead, under a learning lead, under a proper structure, and will improve their behaviour, we will improve their life chances, we will reduce antisocial behaviour, we will reduce drug use, we will reduce crime and theft and robbery, and we'll make the whole place a much more investable place to be. And that's what we're doing. And honestly, it's going great. We, just, we would just like uh, more support, we'd like some more money, We'd like to get on with it, and, and I don't mean do it faster just for the sake of it, but, you know, the sooner we get the money in, the, 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 the more we can invest in it and the, the better we can make the whole thing operate. So so that's it. That's what we're doing. So it's engaged life. Yeah, so how, how, can, how can the listeners and county fans get in touch or get involved or, or you know, get to know more about this? Okay, so the so first thing is, thanks for letting us come on here today. Appreciate it, even though I'm a founding member. It's very nice to be invited back. So, um, county fans can contact us on Facebook uh, at Engage Life. 
They can contact us on Twitter at Engage Life. They can go on to uh, our website and find us on Google, which is www.engagelife.info. Uh, can, there's a telephone number on the site. They can ring us. They can come down to the players' entrance where we're based and they can have a look there. They can uh, have a tour, see what we're doing. You can, If you want to get involved, it's very easy to get in touch with us. And however you wish to get involved, we will happily take that from you, work with you, and I'm sure that if, if you speak to anybody who's worked with us so far, they'll say it's a very, very, very rewarding experience. So, um, yeah, so, so get in touch. Um, to make life simple and easy, we came up with something called Challenge Manchester 300, and it's this. It costs us about £300 to provide a mentor uh, for two years to provide access to um, free access to the players' lounge. They've got somewhere to go all the time. And to have access to the music studio, to have access to the mixed martial arts, to cooking, to budgeting, to food. We've got a fantastic relationship with uh, Gio Goy, the clothes, manufacturer, uh, clothes manufacturer and brand. We've, uh, we've got a young person who's designing T-shirts with them at the moment. So that's a great, great project we've got going on. We've got Robinson's, uh, a massive uh, motorbike brand up in, uh, in Rochdale. They're giving our young kids free CBT licenses so they can all get on mopeds and what have you. So, so there's tons going on. Uh, we've, we've had an amazing donation this week of a record collection, a vinyl record collection, going back from 1964 to 2004. There is stuff in there which is just mind-blowing. And what we're doing is we're setting up a, a shop, where we, a pop-up shop in our place, and we're going to sell the vinyl records. So if people just want to come in, grab a coffee, thumb through the vinyl records, and they can, they can listen to it in our listening booth where we've got record player headphones like the old days. And if they want to take it home with them, then, you know, it's a fiver uh, upwards. It's a fiver for an album. And uh, some of them are quite special, so a little bit more expensive. But it, it's an opportunity to, to come in, see what's going on, get involved, Make a donation, take something nice home, something you know, something that you've been looking for or whatever. And and it's about that. It's about that community. It's about us all looking at how can we put a pound in to make sure that we all benefit. How can we put a pound in? And the the challenge Manchester three hundred. If you look that up, you'll find out how we can do that quite easily. That's tremendous, and that's all stuff that, cause especially now now more than ever, because. I mean, we need to do what we can to support initiatives like this because the government sure as fuck won't. As, as much as we don't like to get political on air, we've got very political today. Um, but yeah, yeah, because someone does need to step up and do something because no one else will. Yeah, and and, and it's not that it's not that we're the it's not that we're the only cause that these of course, yeah. support. Um, you know, um, but. There's been quite a bit of money for homelessness this year. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not competing with homelessness. I've been working with homeless people for the last decade and um, trying to help out there. In fact, I think the Wellspring thing came about because of the connection that I put the co-op and, and John together. It's, it's, but there is money there for, for homelessness at the moment. And it won't be forever because that's why you can't rely on, uh, on government funding because the next calls come to them and they whip it for yeah. you and give it to someone else. Well, I hate to say it, but when they do withdraw it from homelessness, and they will, I'd like them to give it to me. I'd like them to give it to our young people, because our young people who are expelled from the school and get involved in drugs, get involved in gang activity, 
if that's not checked, if that's not supported and turned around, they are going to become mm. the next homeless. They are going to become the next prisoners. They are going to become the next addicts. So it's a preventative thing. So, um, yeah, so we call on Andy Burnham, we call on Angela Rayner, we call on uh, uh, politicians of all stripes to say, get behind it, it's necessary. And it, uh, another misconception is that uh, gangs and drugs, and it only affects uh, poor kids, it only, it only affects black kids, but some people genuinely think that, you know. And the reality is it affects everyone. Um, if you are from a middle-class family, in fact, if you're from a wealthy background, you, you are targeted by these gangs because they know that by giving you uh, some cocaine, some weed, some pills, some whatever, taking you to a party, over a period of time, they're just grooming you before they hit you for £30,000 at your own, knowing that there's money there and knowing that they can squeeze hard enough to get it out there. So... When people turn up at balaclavas at these with balaclavas at these posh houses, it's it's that we're trying to stop as much as you know kids going hungry. You know, it, it really is as as stark as that. The, the, the kids are going to steal your car, rob your daughter's phone, make you feel uncomfortable. I'm afraid they are the kids that are, that that need help in order for you to stop feeling that uh, scared of that happening, and it's. It affects everyone, and we've all got to do our bit, and that's it. Really. That's my pitch. No, it's good. It's good. You're getting to the root cause of the problem, aren't you? By 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 going, you know, going to to that level, and it's it's a really good initiative. And when you spoke to me about it first, David, um, it really struck a chord with me. I won't go into the reasons why now, but it really did. And um, that's why when you when you phoned me and said, "Can I come onto the podcast?" I just said, "Yeah, not a problem. Just you know, let's just get it in the diary." So. Yeah, all for it. And uh, it, like I said privately as well, if you want any help with the uh, the vinyl records, I'm sure. Well, I'll certainly help. Yeah, um, I'm sure Nick will uh, offer some expertise as well because Nick has got a an amazing well, no, it, vinyl record. It, it's not mine; it's my girlfriend's. There's about hundred of them are mine, but the rest of them are. But every any time, when Russ came round came round the other week, I was like, "Oh, have you seen our vinyl? Have you seen our, our vinyl? Barely any of them are mine." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're not supposed to have favourites when you work with young people, so I try and like I try and uh, keep that mindset and everything. But as I've been going, I've been going through this vinyl collection that's been delivered, and there's an album, a Thomas Dolby oh, yes. album, and and I swear it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. It is vibrant and it's 32 years old, and I just think you know somebody if you if you were to buy that, if you love the music, please buy it. Please buy it because you love the music. But if you love the artwork, please buy it because you love the artwork. But if you don't love either and you think, you know what, I'm going to buy that because I think I'm just going to take it, I'm going to give somebody, I'm going to give this engaged life 15 quid or whatever that particular one is because it's so nice. Because I know that 15 quid will get put to good use because I promise you, we will not waste a penny. I keep saying this, I put it out on social, but we don't waste a penny. And then gift that vinyl to somebody who would appreciate it. You know, it is a beautiful thing. And uh, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am to Phil Brennan, who has donated this collection. And if you know Phil, you'll know how yeah. much music matters in his life. Yeah. So so for him to do this, to give us this collection, it, it just shows the depth of feeling in the community about how important what we're doing is. 
and it's it's quite wonderful to be honest. It's humbling. Brilliant. Well done, Phil. I've just realised I sounded really sarcastic yeah. then, but I was I was being genuine, genuinely heartfelt. This is why I don't do adverts. <laughs> <laughs> Right, absolutely fantastic that. Yes, yeah, so um, cheers, Dave. Thanks for that, David. Sorry. Anyway, did, uh, you, want, did you want the Andy Cole story or not? Oh, you got you got a poss- yeah, possibly go libelous story oh, yeah, about Andy then. Cole, aren't you? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not. Yeah, no, 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 no. Right, this is this is definitely true. It's just that you know, like when you get to fifty-one and you've been telling the same story for twenty years, you kind of <laughs> embellish it a bit, and then and then over time the embellishment you <laughs> yeah. is what actually happened. So, so I've got to say, this is my recollection, all right? It is true, it is true, this is my recollection. Uh, and, Andy Cole, uh, Andrew Cole, which is how this came about with Dave Schofield, David Schofield, uh, was obviously a fantastic striker, very successful for various clubs and what have you. And, um, and he, was, he was part of a, the incredible treble winning Manchester United team. And, and, <laughs> and him and um, Teddy Sheringham, Absolutely hated each other, right? It's, yeah. it's quite well known, but you but you but you wonder whether it is, you know, just sort of tittle tattle fanzine stuff. It, 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 I can tell you, it's not. Teddy Sheringham arrived at, at Manchester United, and that group of players, that class of class of ninety two Manchester United group of players, they were all very humble. They were all very grounded. So they'd been brought up by Alex Ferguson, who was like, you know, a union rep or whatever he was in Glasgow. He was, he, they were very humble kids. And then Teddy Sheringham turned <laughs> up in his Ferrari for training, right? And, 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 he, and he had that impact on him where he had one and he's like, a bit of a cocky get. So he's like taking the piss out of them because they're turning up in this. And Andy Cole turned up in a people carrier. <laughs> Uh, and Teddy Sheringham mercilessly, mercilessly ribbed him, right? So uh, at the time, I was I was managing Smith Knight Fay. We, we were uh, we had Audi franchise, and Audi sponsored Manchester United. So it was it was our job to look after United, and and it was my responsibility. And I put one of my uh, salesmen on it. He was a big United fan, and said, "Look." We have to drop everything. If something happens, we've got to drop everything, go do it. He's like, don't worry about it, it's not a problem. Get a phone call. And uh, it's it's Andrew Cole. And he wants a Ferrari. And we don't sell Ferraris, but one of my former salespeople, Jason, does. So I said, look, we can pass you on to somebody. I don't want you to pass us on. I want you to I want to deal with you. All right. Well, how about we deal with you? But the car will come from Jason at Wilmslow at Stratton Ferraris. Yeah, that's fine. So he says, I want this colour, I want that, 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 I want the blah, 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 blah. He thinks you can just <laughs> pick it up this afternoon. So we explained to him that there's a two year waiting list on the car. Long story short, we, we get him an offer, he pays £35,000 over list to buy somebody else's order. He goes to Marinello. He does the track day thing where they, they pick out the colour, the leather and everything. And then the car's delivered and put in, put in his back, back garden where he's got like a carport. And it's got seven miles on the clock. And uh, it says, thanks very much. And seven weeks later, you get a phone call. He says, can you come and pick this Ferrari up? I don't want it. Uh, why? What's the problem? Do you not like it? He said, no, no. He said, I've had one now. I don't, I don't need it any longer. Can you come and pick it up? So 
So we explained, well, you paid over this for it. They can only really say, it's going to take a big hit on this financially. It could be as much as £50,000. I don't care, just come and pick it up. So we go and pick it up, and it had seven miles of it. <laughs> so we've never driven it. So when we asked him, sorry, Andy, I don't understand. You've not driven the car. He went, no, no. He said, I just bought it in the same colour, with the same leather, and the same spec, and the same everything as Teddy <laughs> Sheringham's, just to piss him off. <laughs> and, they, and they say footballers are giant man-children. <laughs> £50,000 just to piss his fellow striker off. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, though, we'd all do it. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> just jealous. Cool. What is the one object if you if you were like rich and famous and money was no object? Because you know El- Elton John, he he gets the um, it's a big H, the big main HMV in London. He gets that shut down every time he's in London and gets to do himself a big shop. Like, he just buys millions and millions of CDs. So what's what's the item you'd go for? Any of you? If you just spunk money on one, one ridiculous item many times over, what would it be? Depends how much, because if it was in the hundreds of millions, I'd probably buy the Daily Mail and shut it down. If it's a lesser amount... No, the I'm Daily sure Mail is the correct answer. That. That's that's the answer we were looking for. You, you, you win a holiday in a speedboat. Well done. <laughs> you see that guy, that. that guy in Holland who's hacked in, he says he's hacked into Donald Trump's Twitter. Oh, yeah, did you see what his password was? M-A-G-A-20. He said it took him like four goals to get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It wasn't a brute force attack, that was it. <laughs> the thing is, if that, if that was the fourth one he tried, you just know that try, attempts one, two, and three were taken up by password. Password one two three four. Um, password one two three four. The capital. But he's on the first time he's stepped away from the password realm. He's looking at it straight away. Oh god! Yeah. Hilarious. Have we got some? Uh, we've got some tea party stuff, haven't we? This month. We have. Yeah. Uh, I can't sing that jingle live, so. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember the air crash? Do you remember the rag and bone man? Do you remember putting gravel on your butties? Do you remember having rat for dinner? Do you remember papering your walls with spam? Do you remember what you had for breakfast? The Tea Party section of the County Podcast, proudly sponsored by Memories What Are of Stockport, one of the 73 Stockport-based Facebook groups that are scared to death of modern life. Do you remember when you last saw your trousers? I've, um, yeah, I've grabbed one from, I think... 95, 96, going off the content, because obviously we didn't have dates on these. Yeah. Um, and it's issue 48, which I'll um, I'll try and put out through the socials, the bits we're talking about, so that people can read along at home. Um, front cover makes reference. It's got a picture of a baby with its bottom lip out, um, <laughs> just making reference to the fact that uh, United had lost a, a significant Coca-Cola defeat. And yeah, 3-0 at York, wasn't it? Yeah, 3-0 at, at home to York. And Tony Barris was one of the scorers, I think, wasn't he? Yes, that's right. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Tony Barris. Um, trouble was, it was only a first leg, and I think they won the second leg by 4-0 or something like that. So, yeah, they, they put them out at Bootham Crescent, but it was amazing for York to say that they'd beaten United 3-0 <laughs> at, at Old was, Trafford. Um, was, was Nick Culkin playing for York? Is that, is that why they signed him? Around about that time, no, he's still a bit, he's still living at United at that point. 
I'd imagine. Um, no, Nick Culkin signed from York to United, though, didn't he? Did he? I always thought he was the way around. I always thought I always thought he came through the youth team at York, at, at United. But no, he, he signed for United in '95. So yeah, you might you might you might be correct then. One of the uh, one of the benefits of doing this remotely is I've got uh, Google open on my laptop, and he joined United in '97. Uh, no, I've, I've got I've got September '95 according to Wikipedia. He joined he joined United's United youth team, and then his his first team United career was '97 onwards. Yeah. So yeah, he signed in September 1995, which would have been the month where yes. this game this game was. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Just just for us to be on the ball with the keeper trivia. Really? <laughs> I, I did me level one with Nick. He's a good lad. Oh, and he just signed up somewhere. Has he just got a? I'm sure I saw someone share it the other day that he he just got a job at some some club or something. But I might as, have. What, as a coach. As a coach, yeah. Yeah, yeah he moves around. He moves around a bit, doesn't he? But yeah. Good lad, good lad. Apart from the United connections, obviously. Yeah, you can't have it all, can you? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, so, um, the, the stuff that's happening, just, I've been leafing through this and working it out, and uh, it's clear that it is 95-96, which was obviously Dave Johnson's first full season, wasn't it? Because he yeah. took over towards the end of the previous season, which was Danny's last, which came after the Burnley-Wembley uh, debacle. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's that year. And um, I think one of the other reasons I can tell is um, that I... Do these spoof stop or excess stories? And they actually put the date I wrote it on the excess. So that's dated thirtieth of September. So it's probably fairly early in the season, uh, probably this time of year in in that particular season. Yeah. Um, and it just it, the one thing that made me laugh out of this, and that's that's a horrible thing to say when you talk about your own piece. That oh yeah, it made me laugh, but it did anyway. So uh, people, <laughs> the, the, the piece was supposed to be taking the piss out of local residents moaning about the cheeseland going up. Yeah. Um, because it was ever thus, local residents moan about stuff when county uh, developed the ground, and that's probably something that's going to happen quite a lot over the next few years. A bit of luck. Um, yeah, but, yeah, but if, to be fair though, if if you moved, in, you know, near, if you moved there before 1905, then you, 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 you've got every right to moan. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this is this is. I'll read you a bit of the piece because it actually says, "Edgeley um, residents in football ground shocker." Residents in the Hardcastle Road area of Edgeley were astounded last week when they woke to discover that there was a massive 12,000 capacity football ground situated virtually on their doorsteps. <laughs> the ground, which none of the residents had ever seen before, bore the mark of Stockport County FC and is believed to be connected to the town's football club. Said unemployed ferret warrior Albert Gitt, 51, <laughs> I've been living here for 20 years and I've never known anything like I'm used to looking out my bedroom window every morning and seeing the panoramic vista of the shunting yards at Stockport Station. Now I'm faced with looking at this football ground thing for the rest of my life. If I'd known this was going to happen, I'd never have moved here 12 years ago. <laughs> um, local drugs dealer, Chegwin McManus. I used to love those names because it was like a two Ronnies tribute by me because they used to have really, really bizarre names. And I tried to do similarly bizarre ones when I made them up. So Chegwin McManus was one of the ones I came up with. Was even even more upset than Mr. Git. I was using my mobile phone <laughs> to place an order for three kilos of the finest quality crack cocaine when all of a sudden I lost the signal. I'm convinced it was due to that massive Cheedland stand. Granted, I was actually standing in Moss Side at the time, but those phones were probably <laughs> sensitive, you know. That's, that sounds like a racial stereotype about drugs. You're going to discuss this. Chigwin McManus is clearly Irish, so I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> <laughs> And this, this one is the bit that made me laugh. Mr. McManus was not the only one inconvenienced. Reg Perth, a single man <laughs> living on Hardcastle Road itself, said, 
It was terrible. I was watching the adult channel just after midnight when all of a sudden the screen went fuzzy and a message appeared saying incorrect card. Try as I might, I could not get a picture back. It was most inconvenient and I'm convinced it was down to the sudden appearance of that massive new cheese land. People <laughs> might not get that, but when when um, people had satellite boxes in the early days of Sky, um, you, you used to pick up the perv channels for 10, 10 minutes at midnight yeah. and at 10, 10 past it would go off and that message would appear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a bit more in it as well, but I'll, I'll try and... Uh, oh, yeah, we approached local councillor Edith Buttock for a reaction. I'm not sure who that was meant to be uh, taking the mickey out of, but people can draw their own conclusions. <laughs> Full county, she said. I'm against it. I read it at Wembley because that's different. Oh, the big news stand. Yes, well, I'm fundamentally and totally opposed to this eyesore, which is a fundamental disgrace and a total eyesore. We also understand <laughs> the club have applied for a 24-hour licence to hold all-night raves in the Barlow stand toilets. Rest assured, we will fight these plans tooth and nail until I am elected. Whoops, I mean until the club back down. <laughs> yeah, so um, I used to love writing those stop excesses because, uh, yeah, I think it was, it was you know a bit of humour really, which um, I think we were well known for because uh, you know one of the best things we did was funny stuff. I think my favourite bit there is the the ending. We, we rang the club for a comment. They said, "Hello, this is Stockport County. There's no one here at the moment, but if you'd like to leave your name and number after the tail, <laughs> someone will get back to you." Uh, we'll have to get some more stop excesses out I think because yeah they were quite good I remember the first one was I think we mentioned before um, it was all the stupid stunts that people had been done um, when we first got to Wembley and people were doing like building um, a chip butty in the shape of the Twin Towers and (laughs) some some guy um, tried to swim to Wembley um, using the canals of Britain but ended up in Birmingham puking his guts out at 3 o'clock on the day of the game (laughs) stuff like that um, yeah, that's, 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 that's what yeah, we're going to miss out on with the obviously with the FA Cup not being played in front of any fans. Obviously, they're, they're early, yeah. they're early cup runs when you got some shitty little Brexity village that have got through to the first round proper, <laughs> and they, they always do the draw in the clubhouse with all the local mutants gurning at the camera. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really going to miss that this year. <laughs> shitty little Brexit village. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing that jumped out at me in this was uh, which really, really does date it. At the end of the editorial, which was a bit I used to do in the first couple of pages, um, talking about stuff that had happened and what have you, um, the very, very last paragraph was, I know something you don't know. Nothing to do with football here, but if anyone would care to know who shot Mr Burns, ask me on Wall Street prior to any home game, because I know. And it was, <laughs> it was that was genuine, and someone did ask me um, after, after the game, because in those days, The Simpsons was huge. The Mr Burns story was huge. And it went out in America um, like a week or so before um, it went out over here. And my sister lived out there at the time, and she told me. So um, <laughs> I had to put it in as a little joke, and someone genuinely asked me on the street as I was selling it afterwards, who was it who shot Mr. Burns? I said, <laughs> I said, spoiler alert, I said, Maggie. And he just like looked at me with a really weird look on his face and just walked off. <laughs> this one also has a fairly famous picture, which is, is the three nudists. Um, People will have seen this if they follow me social media because I put it on a couple of things. But uh, it's, it's basically three n- nudists on a beach in uh, Skiathos um, <laughs> holding the fanzine in front of their downstairs areas, <laughs> and the two the two guys are holding are holding a fanzine in front of their gentlemen's excuse me with one hand, and holding a scarf across the chest area of of, of the woman who's also holding her fanzine down below. <laughs> I think I've only seen it, we'll, we'll get it from that description, but that's a guy called Calliope who used to um, write a regular column for us. Oh, yeah, of course, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, so that's um, that's him, and he was he, he's clearly a naturist, unless he'd just done that on the spur of the moment. But who, who, was, who was it, David? Who was coming? Uh, Graham Hall, I think his name was. He was, he was a good writer. He was a member. He of was really good stuff, and he actually um, he emigrated to Spain, and I'm not sure if he's ever been back, but uh, I think he might still be out there. But he, he was a musician as well, so he made a bit of a living playing uh, cover cover songs in bars in Spain. Right. Yeah. Nice work if you can get it. Yes. Yeah. Um. The back of that guitar will be cold on your balls, though, won't it? <laughs> I was going to point to another one. Um, can't try, I've made a note of it. I'm trying to find it in the actual thing now. It's an article called Hey, Aren't You? Which was basically a list of um, famous sort of no, big players. Not notorious, that's the wrong word. But, you know, big names who um, people have seen play at Edgeley Park. I think it might have been a Martin Frost article. And it's, while I'm looking for it, um, I'll just give it's a quick... Gra- Gra- Graham Morris it is. Hi, hi, hi. Yeah. Graham Morris. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. There's a Martin Frost article coming up, so I'll, uh, I'll save the plug for his new website at that point. But he was just listing sort of famous players he could remember, and some of them were fairly fairly um, big back in the early days. Kevin Keegan played here for Scunthorpe. Uh, Kenny Sampson for Palace. He also played for, for United. David Seaman for Peterborough, and that was also his professional debut, I believe, as well. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, Ray Rock, Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's any more in more recent times, but I suppose as we went up the leagues, it was less of a, a remarkable thing to see because, you know, we played Middlesbrough, we had Ravinelli and Janino and yeah. Emerson playing for us. But it just shows at the time when we were uh, a lower division club, you know, seeing these big players was a big, was a big thrill, um, as you can imagine, seeing them as we played. On, on on that page, actually, uh, I notice um, Matty of Rio has actually wrote in saying saying what what his England eleven would be, um, which I'm guessing is for yeah for the Euros the following year. Now, yeah. This this is an utter utter shambles of an England eleven. I don't know. I've got a lot of time for Matty, but I'm going to have to pull him up on this because I don't know what he's thinking. He's got uh, t- Tim Flowers in goal, a uh, a back four of uh, pot. Is it? It'll be Rob, Rob Jones. Rob Jones, Rob Paul Ince, Tony Adams, and Graham Lusso. But, yeah. why, why has he got Paul, Paul, Paul Ince? That uh, well-known combative central midfielder there, sticking at centre half. Um, <laughs> David Platt and Jamie Redknapp as holding midfielders. Anderton on the right. Gascoigne in the number ten. Shearer up top with Letitia out on the left. There's nothing more English than that, is there? The finest, <laughs> finest player of a generation, and we'll just shunt him out onto the left hand side. <laughs> just look for the big man up front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's Nick. Is that out of context though? Because obviously we can't. It's we can't see the the preceding article, can we? I wonder if it's just that's the his England eleven for the I've next match. I've got it in front of me. I'll, I'll let you know. And not, um, not so, Sorry, Matty. If this oh, if this does <laughs> answer the criticism, but you, you know, you write in and let us know what you were thinking. Um, finally, I'd like to round off by having a quick dig at Terry Venables. Cheers, Tell. I really enjoyed supporting England over here during the football lesson that the Brazzers gave us. You really turned out a team of leaden-footed donkeys. <laughs> what is wrong with Matt Letizier? Does he have to play for Spurs for him to get more than 20 minutes on the pitch? For me, Letizier, Gascoigne and Platt are the first three names on the list. After that, there's not much to choose between any of them. We may not be a great footballing nation, but surely if we were to lose, we can do it with a bit of panache. And then um, this is 11. Because obviously at the time, Matty was genuinely in real. That's where he gets his name from. He, he, he worked That's right, there. yeah. Um, moved back a few years ago, but he used to send us regular letters over... Um, from there, so 
yeah, that's the context. He, he was right about he was right about that uh, right. selection as well. Though. Matthew Matissier was such an amazing footballer, wasn't he? Yeah, awful person, yeah. but yeah. great footballer. He, he, he's gone full on Ian Brown, hasn't he? Yeah, like, but just it's just it's just it's, it's really heartbreaking to see people who you you adored. You know, I mean, I mean, I want to be adored. Hey, eh? you know, <laughs> when you when you you just Matthew Matissier is a prick, and and it's 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 really upsetting to see somebody who and not as a non-county player, which is, you know, talking about the big names of come watching him play football. I just thought, you know, what's a privilege to watch this guy play football. It's amazing. Yeah. I would say, and also, the name that's going through my head before was Robert Prozinecki. Oh yes, he was Better. quality. Absolutely, that he was. He was. He was the best footballer I think he'd ever seen at that point in terms of his command of the game and everything. Beautiful. So yeah, sorry for dying in there, but there we go. That's yeah. me. Right, home game coming up. Where are we going? What's your pre-match plan? Usually, Bobby Peel for me. Feel. What about you, Dave? Well, as we've already established, I'm a so I'll just bring GNT from home and drink it in the back of the car. What about you? I mean, I'm, where are you going? Both feel? Yeah. How many tellies have you got? Uh, five, I think. <laughs> oh, mate, mate, you're not going to believe this. You want to get down to the Royal Oak. Why? What's the good about the Royal Oak? We've got tellies, they've got big tellies, they've got small tellies, they've got tellies when you order a drink, they've got tellies when you're having a piss, they've got tellies when you're having a cigarette outside. Tellies, tellies, tellies! Aside from that, it's a really good place to go before the match, and alcohol is also available. The other thing that I was going to mention was um, we used to get um, obviously lots of letters, and at, uh, after a certain point in the in the fanzine's life, um, the vast majority of the of the fanzine itself was made up of readers' letters, which is great. I always used to love that that fact. But amongst them were some uh, really rather peculiar ones, um, to say the least. And and this is this is a letter which we printed because we printed everything that came in, and this is it in its entirety. Um, Dear TTP, brilliant with about 37 exclamation marks. Lots of love to Steve Bellis. And it was signed by Danny Boy, High Peak Hatter. And then said, P.S. To the attention of Cheadlender Row, double M, seat 66. I love your pork pie hat, scraggly hair, crinkly hair. <laughs> 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 Two buck teeth, hollow lips, double chin, swinging tits, small widgie, knobbly knees, two flat feet, and I want your children. And that was the... That was the <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> also, another letter that, that jumps out as well, which um, I had a really red face about once I realised this. Um, I, I, I titled it, You're Entitled to Your Opinion. Dear TTP, having lived in the North for a few years, I've attended quite a few of County's matches, and although I'm not a County fan, I thought that I must write and give my feelings to a certain section of your crowd. They seem to think that Alan Armstrong is a good player. That he is not. This he is not. <laughs> he cannot control a ball. He cannot head a ball. His passing is bad. He's basically a poor man's Andy Priest who can do all of the above and never gets the plaudits for it. If you want promotion, you need better players. So I replied in my editorial role saying, as the heading states, you're entitled to your opinion, even if that opinion is complete bollocks in capital letters. <laughs> as for promotion, if we had 10 midfield players of the ability of Armstrong, we'd be promoted by March. Thanks for inspiring a programme column anyway, which I must have written a programme column about because at the time I was writing a, a column in the programme. But going back to it, I realised that it had been signed by Stan Jupui. D-J-U-P-U-W-I, which is, somebody pointed out to me later, an anagram of just a wind-up. Ah. So someone had, had done that, and once they see, saw my response, they probably thought, oh, game set and match. I have absolutely... Yeah. <laughs> they're, probably, they're probably still tugging themselves silly to the thought of that 25 years on. We, we, we had letters in from people called Miles Platting and Ann Coates, which I managed to spot. But this one, I just... I probably... I was so enraged by him slagging off Alan that I didn't really... 
realise that that's a made-up <laughs> name, dude. Well, f- fun fact on the origin of the Ancoats An- one, that's from um, the Strange Ways Here We Come album. Yeah, it's Morrissey uh, speeding up, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, it's backing vocals by Ann Coates, and it's, it's Morrissey sped up. But very good. Oh, this, yeah. this is exactly the type of nerdry we need more of on this podcast. What, what, what's <laughs> <Yeah>. this? I've <laughs> noticed there's a letter in here that someone's someone's written to the Stockport Express to complain about naughty language, which yes. is just weird. weird old really. um, I'm, I'm assuming the Ted McMinn stuff is the... Was was this prior to the, the one, one shin incident, or was it after? <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he was still playing. You still had a full complement of legs. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, after that, though, is Weight Watch for the year. <laughs> I've got nothing against your left leg. The problem is, neither of you. <laughs> In the famous uh, Pete and Doug sketch. Um, yeah, it was just after the... Because, um, obviously, the Burnley thing had happened. They'd gone up. I think they came straight back down, did they? And we played them early early doors in this season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was when McMinn got the sweeties thrown at him because Vernon Baird distrib- distributed sweeties and they mm. were re- recycled for use as missiles. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favourite memories of all time. That. The, the, the atmosphere when I first started going to uh, County v Burnley games was quite intimidating because we didn't. We had really small crowds. They'd bring a big crowd. The kind of segregation went to pot. It was an uncomfortable feeling. And then they went up and we didn't. And they had like... 350,000 at Wembley, we had 400, you know, according to their legend. And then, and then they came back to us, and our place was buzzing, and you could see they were proper intimidated. The players were intimidated, the fans were intimidated, the sweets, the temperament men. It was like, fuck you, Burnley, fuck you, Burnley. It was ace. Wasn't it nil nil? Did it end nil nil, I think? No, we didn't. We, we beat them, I'm sure we beat them, didn't we? I'm not sure. We've been no, in the promotion here, obviously, but yeah. It doesn't matter, does it? All we know is Ted McMinn got beat up by six year olds. And Harry Bob. I, I wasn't well, we're on the subject of uh, them horrible sister shagging bastards from down the road. Um, I didn't realise that Harvey Barnes, who plays for Leicester, is the son of Paul Barnes. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which has put yeah, me off him. <laughs> One of Jim Gannon's favourite mates. There's a little um, little story from that 96-97 year. You know when Barnes got the five when they beat us 5-0 at Turf Moor? I think Barnes got yeah, all five, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, a story I heard was that the yeah. day after Dave Jones was playing um, golf um, and somebody said, what went wrong yesterday? And basically his response was Jim effing Gannon because <laughs> I think Jim had to <laughs> was marking Paul Barnes. And I'm sure I'd love to. I'd love to um, speak to Jim if he ever does come on and uh, ask him his, his view of that particular game because uh, he obviously was blamed by at least one person for it. <laughs> Bloody hell! Yeah, but I think yeah, there's kind of thing that happens in football. I'm sure there's uh, there's no grudges. Oh, no, I'd hope there's no grudges held there anyway. Yeah, everything worked out after that, didn't it? Didn't go too badly. You could say that. <laughs> the other thing, the final article I've just sort of highlighted in this was 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 by Martin Frost, and and before I go into it, just. Uh, a little plug for his site, which has appeared across social media and the message boards in the last uh, couple of weeks. He's uh, written, a, uh, he's, he's created a site, 57 years, county years, I think it is, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Like, 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 brilliant, yeah. Yeah, right. He's, he's, a, good, he's a good writer as, anyway, but he's also so diligent and thorough. And I think he's seen county on something like 160-odd grounds, is it? I, I haven't got the site in front of me, but... And he's actually written about most, if not... I think he intends to probably go to talk about all of them, but he's written a hell of a lot about it. 
And it's just a website you can delve into and look up and two hours have gone and you've realised you've gone down a, a county supporting rabbit hole. I did notice that he said he used uh, he used the Dark Days podcast for some of his research. So thank you he for did, that, yeah. Matt. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a he's a he's a good lad. Yeah. And he's he's a fan. We had him on our podcast when we were doing the Tea Party one, um, early doors. But uh, yeah, he, he, I, I know he's 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 um, he's a decent bloke, and uh, he knows his county. He's been going home and away for years, and it's a really really good website. And he actually contributed to the fanzine from about issue eight onwards, I think, and everyone after that point to the last. And um, so yeah, he says, so he says uh, he says fifty seven years, one hundred and eighty one. Oh wow, it's more than I thought. Jeez, fantastic. Even most people talk about ninety two, doesn't he? He's, he's yeah, doubled so, that. Yeah. So if people want to go there, the the website's uh, fifty seven. So that's five seven hattersyears Nice one. Yeah, it's definitely worth with if you're a county fan, just just do it. There's no reason for you not to. It's definitely worth your time. But so the he's, sorry, he's done, he's done as many years supporting county as Hines have got varieties. <laughs> I don't, don't quite know how they get to 57 varieties. As far as I was concerned, it was spaghetti, oops, and beans. That's only two varieties. But... Beans and sausages, spaghetti, oops, and sausages. Alphabetic spaghetti. Yeah, you've got beans and sausages, but without the sugar. You've got beans that are joined to go on because I've got them all nailed. <laughs> That's 51 to go. <laughs> spam, spam, bacon, beans, and spam. Hey, it's like a pointless list. <laughs> The article by Martin, though, he talks about that's entertainment, and he's actually picked, I don't know if it's an 11, but, um, well, maybe it is. He says at the end, it's a team which has entertained me. And he does start with a keeper. So I'll just go through it and tell you the names of the people he um, considers to have been entertainers, and we can maybe have a think about whether we agree or, or can think of any substitutes. But he says he's gone for Andy Gorton in net. Yeah. Um, full-backs, Derek Lodwick and Lee Todd. Todd, yeah. Yeah. He's gone for four four two, I think, because he's saying two centre backs, Tommy Sword and Bill Williams. Just hold on, to... just hold on, just hold on. Oh, you can carry on now. Just have me look Tommy Sword, moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, midfield, he's gone for Osher Williams and Terry Park. Up front, he's gone for Frank Worthington and Andy Kilner. Oh, he's gone four three. Oh, he's gone four two four, I think. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Up front, Frank Worthington, Andy Kilner, Kevin Francis, and Mike Quinn. Some of those names are before your time, I know, lads, but Dave probably, David probably remembers them all. Um, but that's a pretty good selection. I'm, I'm not sure. Obviously, since this was written, we had 96, 97 and everything that came afterwards. Yeah. So um, mm. there probably some of the candidates at least to be replaced, to, to, to replace people in that team. Can't think of In terms of entertainers? Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a weird one, that, because it's, it's almost exclusively been two decades of shit since yeah. then. <laughs> <laughs> There's a small window has, between yeah. this fanzine and the shit starting of about, what, five or six years? Yeah. And then <laughs> a little blip in, in Jim's promotion year. Um, cause... Well, that's it. 2008 sticks out, doesn't it? Or, or maybe the season before that. I thought Anthony Eldy yeah. was quite an entertainer. I, I Liam Dickinson, Crowdlock, Dickinson as well, yeah. yeah, yeah. But after that, I mean, after 2010, you may as well just forget it. I'll probably sub out I the think. goalie for Conrad Logan just for that picture of him taking his shirt off. <laughs> There's nothing more entertaining than looking at that picture. <laughs> I mean, if you if we're talking about the non-league stuff, which you know, it's it's one of them, and I mean, Gary Stockwood, he was, yeah. Danny, was an entertainer. Wasn't Danny Lloyd as well for me, yeah. I think he was the yeah. first player we had in non-league where when he when he got the ball on his left foot and started running, you could hear the atmosphere change in the ground. 
people actually get up on their feet thinking, oh, here we go. And that was the first player for years. Certainly none in non-league. McConville should have been that player, really, in non-league. But we all know what happened there. I think uh, a name that's sort of missing from that original list was Andy Welsh. When, when he was in yeah. similar, when he got the ball, the whole mm. ground stood up because like, yeah. he was so dynamic. Yeah. It was a really exciting player to watch, yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. electric, yeah. Luke Beckett as well. I was going to say Luke Beckett, yeah, yeah. And also, for, for like half an hour of his county career, Kiko Tirana. Yeah. That was the most, was the most entertained <laughs> I've ever been at a county. <laughs> yeah. Watching him at Doncaster. <laughs> Happy days. Anyway, so that's that's the Tea Party issue forty eight, and I'll uh, say I'll chuck some of those photos on socials. Yeah, I'll, ch- I'll chuck them on the on the Facebook and Twitter as well, and we'll get them on as people can, people can read along. Then nice, fantastic. Okay, um, Paris notices. Then if we if we want to yeah. start to wind it down, um, you can get all this content and more on our website, which is scarfbagarreward.co.uk. So there's links there to the YouTube's, um, to Dave Long's blog. Um, and to all the SoundCloud, um, all the SoundCloud, SoundCloud Is there a link to the playlist well. on there as well? Uh, there's a link to the playlist, which is consistently updated. Um, yeah, I've done some work on it this week, so yeah. Uh, so we've got a Spotify playlist. We are on Spotify as well. We're on iTunes, uh, and we're on all the good podcast players, whichever podcast player you have. And some rubbish ones as well. And rubbish ones as well. Um, yeah, we've got some can t-shirts. I, can, can I- Sorry, Lance, I'm sorry to... I've got a couple of thank yous I'd like to throw in before you go in. Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Because I, sh- I should really have said it before. One, Help the Hatters have made a donation to Engage Life, which I'm really, really grateful for. Make amazing bunch of people and uh, gratefully received. And I've been down to thank them anyway for cleaning the and painting the ground. We've got um, the co-op uh, have graciously asked us to present to them to see if there's something that they can do in terms of helping engage life. And also Richard Simkin the, the, uh, from Stockport County has been down to see us and uh, they're keen to help us as well. So the whole kind of Stockport County family uh, helping engage life is it, it's really humbling and I just want to say thank you to everybody who's, who's helped so far. Yeah. So thank you. And while, you, while you've mentioned has actually big shout out for them for sorting out the flags at the Sheedland as well. Oh, yeah. No, no tricolour though, but you can't have it all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where was I? Um, he was he was t-shirting. T-shirting. That's it. Yeah. So as as Dave Espley said on the last podcast that we did together, we're well well served for tat. Uh, we've still got some tat, <laughs> we've, we've still got some tat left. So we've still got some sizes in large and extra extra large. If you want to. Uh, grab one those one of those for antenna. We're probably not TVs, deep trees, David Bowie LPs, <laughs> <laughs> extra um, large, extra extra large, and post lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go on to our Depop. Uh, search Scarpagara War on, on Depop app. Uh, they're on there, large and extra extra large. Ten ten quid plus two pound postage. Won't be available for much longer because, um, quite frankly, we're getting sick of just being in Nick's house, I guess, and taking up room. Um, They're not taking up that much room. I've just I've just chucked them in the little uh, the cupboard. It's all right. We need to shift them. It's a post post office that I because the first time I went when I went to send the first lot, the woman woman in the post office said, "Oh, do you do you do this often? Then is this a regular thing?" Obviously, they're angling to wonder if she's going to have to fuck a lunch break off. (laughs) Yeah. 
but yeah, yes. So, so now I've started. I've started going in one at a time and doing them because I think that annoys her even more. So we, we've got we've got a bit of a head to head going on. Me and her. we're going to see who's going to break first. It'll be, it'll be me. It's funny how that happens because I mean I used to get the daggers when I used to take the fanzines in. When I used, to, I think at one point we were sending away about 120 of each huh. issue, and I'd be going to the post office and asking for like 120 stamps, licking them, and then they just handed <laughs> them back. <laughs> looks I got. It was like this is your job, dude. You know, <laughs> you, you have to do this. This is this is what keeps you employed. Taking post and, and putting it in that bag over there. But, it's because uh, I used to work at a post office, me, so I know all the things to do to annoy them. <laughs> Okay, uh, so yeah, get your t-shirts if you want one. Um, anything else, Nick, from your perspective? From you, anything you want to add? Uh, no, no, I'm I'm fine. In, in case any listeners are wondering, um, yeah, that's about it. Excellent. Uh, and don't forget, you can catch our preview and review podcast, which is going to go out most weeks um, with with various people on that. So uh, don't miss that. Oh, great flick up by Alan Armstrong. the 90th minute all your mates around you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com